0: Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical. Uh, It is a girls only podcast today. Uh, I'm Emma, your host and I'm uh, joined again by the recently resurfaced Lucy. Yes,
1: I'm back at the surface level.
0: She's back in town. We are covering today a podcast that's been commissioned for us by one of our patrons, Beth Panico, uh, on the twenty eighteen neo noir film by Drew Goddard, Bad Times at the El Royale.
1: Do you like the term neo noir? It's not. It sounds like something you say when you are trying to exercise your mouth. Neo noir. Neo noir.
0: Neo noir. I didn't coin that. I stole that. I'll be honest. I gathered that, but you you know, know,
1: it's just just a good word to throw
0: around. (laughs) uh well so i was quite interested when beth said can we cover cover this so beth has been a fan of ours for a long time she's supported us for ages and she's great and she's come up with some really interesting films for us to cover she
1: has she's a she's a patreon isn't she and that's how she gets um well this is how she commissions these things she's a top tier patreon so hello beth
0: yes elite blueberry beth and thank
1: you for your
0: continued support. Absolutely. And we'll tell you a little bit more about how you can get involved in that in a little while. Uh but I hadn't heard of um this film actually. And uh so when we spoke about doing it I, I looked it up and I thought, yeah, sounds all right. Good cast. I mean I got as far as Chris Hemsworth and I was sold. <laughs>
1: Chris Hemsworth basically. Got an unbuttoned shirt you say. Okay, yes, I'll watch this film. I mean I actually saw a trailer for this at the cinema like however long ago, a couple of years I suppose now. And I did want to see it, but then it seemed to just sink without a trace. Like I never heard anything about it, mm. good or bad. It just sort of. And considering the cast, I was quite surprised. Um, but yeah, it, it yeah. was a weird, bit of a weird one in that respect. That it, it, it just it was never really on anyone's radar that I was aware of.
0: No, I totally agree. And actually, when I did um, some research for this after I'd watched the film, um, there's not really a huge amount about it out there. There's no. some, a couple of like mixed reviews um but it did just sort of drop off the radar so it's quite nice to be able to sit down and watch it and and see what we think mm. before i ask you for your opinion Lucy, i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the imdb summary uh, of this film shoot <clears throat> so guys early 1970s four strangers check in at the el royale hotel the hotel is deserted is it the early 1970s,
1: though because it says it's 1969 so...
0: No, I don't think it is. I'm incorrect, take, IMDb. Yeah, I'm
1: going to take umbrage with that straight away, IMDb, because you're not accurate. Yeah. Watch the film next time. Incorrect. Pay attention.
0: Sorry, yeah, I bet on. you haven't even seen it, IMDb. Uh, the hotel is deserted, staffed by a single desk clerk. Some of the new guests' reasons for being there are less than innocent and some are not who they appear to be. Um, which yeah. doesn't give a lot away, uh, and it is incorrect, because it is 1969. <laughs> it's not the
1: early 70s.
0: <laughs> i'm pretty sure that somewhere i read that someone had worked out the exact date it was um based on uh some of the news coverage of nixon i think it's like the 27th of march 1969
1: or something there you go interesting that so
0: interesting when i first read that it just made me think of the um eagles's song hotel california
1: oh uh, yeah you can check out anytime you like but you can never leave mm, that'll be yeah. important later remember that
0: It will indeed. Um, But, Luce, you've just recently watched this as well. Can you give me an overview of what you thought uh, and your blue and an explanation of what that system is, please?
1: Okay. um, Like I say, when I first heard of this film a couple of years ago, I did want to see it, but it did just kind of drop off my radar. Um, It's got a really strong cast, and I thought it was really well shot. Well, I didn't think it was executed that well. I feel like I've seen this film before. I've seen films of similar nature, whether that be like Agatha Christie. I mean, I read somewhere that mm. um, it's like Agatha Christie meets Quentin Tarantino, which I think is quite accurate, but it doesn't come off as well as yeah. it should, considering those are the influences. Um, I hate the title. I can't, I, I just could go on and on about this, but I said this to you yesterday, didn't I? I just think <laughs> it's the most cumbersome... Vague, clunky title, and so forgettable, and I think that might have something to do with why it just fell off the radar. Because just bad times at the El Royale. Like when you actually watch it, bad times is such an understatement. It's just I don't know. I really
0: I, it loses a blueberry for me for that. I hate the title. um Yeah, I mean it could be like you know it's the understatement of the century, isn't yes, it? Without giving too much time, away, it's
1: like, as well. Bad times the nightmare at the El Royale. Yeah, bloodbath. If anything. Um, So I would give it, I thought about this yesterday, Um, I'll give it three blueberries. Now, for those who are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, Blueberries is the scale with which we rate what we're reviewing. So five blueberries would be the best, zero blueberries would be the worst, and you cannot halve a blueberry, so you have to give a a round score. So yeah, I would give it three blueberries because I think um, some of the sort of um, direction and the shots... Uh, was really Really good Really interesting The way some of it was done Stuff that you never Really seen before Which we'll get on to mm. um, Acting was good For the most part And it Yeah It looked good It's just the execution For me I don't think The revelations Of what was really Going on Was done particularly well um, And that fucking title I think it's terrible So yeah Three blueberries <laughs> for me
0: I mean to be fair That's not a bad score it's Three not, is like because, It's like, above like, average It
1: wasn't bad i just didn't think it was that good it was quite um uneven i thought especially the last third Mm. when
0: yeah it got a bit hectic
1: yeah when hemsworth turned up you know that should improve any film but it actually made it go take a like a bit of a swerve that sort of (laughs) didn't really fit with what had come before and it was quite a long film but i also felt it was paced strangely
0: yeah i think so we talk a lot about pacing usually with tv shows like films not so much and i think like the pacing in this is interesting and i feel like it's quite deliberate um i i've really enjoyed this i haven't sat down and watched a film that i've not paused to go off and do some washing up or, or something in months and yeah i mean i know we're all living in a weird world but i really really enjoyed it i thought it was humorous at times i thought this like stylistically it was really interesting yeah, so it looked great. um you know yeah it looked fantastic you've got all of those like um kind of placard black scenes which remind you very much like silent movies um you know an old noir cinema that kind of thing mm. um it's got an amazing amazing cast yeah I, like blew me away some of the acting was unbelievable, I thought, and um, some surprising performances in there. The soundtrack was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed some of the twists and like the references. I-, I have to say, and like some of this comes up a little bit later. I think it reminded me a lot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: See, I have not seen that, so so it is Tarantino esque. I thought, like, hate yeah, a, it reminded me of just the the concept um
0: see I, I haven't seen the hateful eight either so ah, like probably between <laughs> us it's so <laughs> we've got it right I, yeah and i want i wonder if it's you know you said about that agatha christie tarantino thing and it is it's kind of like the locked room um kind of mystery type thing you know everyone's all in one place and yeah. you expect miss Barpole to turn are. up and tell you what's happened People not what they see. yeah you,
1: but I, I did think the kind of revelation of what the truth was it, I just—I feel like I've seen it done better in things like Agatha Christie um, than there was none. There was I mean, a, she is the master. Of, she is. But just to put it on screen. Um, it also reminded me a bit, for some reason, of Knives Out. I don't know if you've seen that, which is really good. No, I haven't um, yet, but it's on my list to watch. I'm actually going to watch it tonight. I think it's just <laughs> mysteries. But the way certain things are revealed in that film, I think was done a lot better than this. I don't know. I think I wanted to like it probably a bit more than I actually did. Um and yeah, then some, some of it was just a bit uneven with regards to tone. But what I will say, actually, is that it was not predictable because there were a few things that happened. I was like, oh, didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, so at least yeah. it, it did have that. It had that, the element of surprise in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, and I thought like it's quite interesting because Drew Goddard um, has done lots of different stuff. But one of the things that I've seen recently that's on is he's an executive producer on The Good Place which is really interesting when really? I mean, you talk about some of the hmm. themes in this yeah and I didn't realize that hmm. but actually knowing that in hindsight you can tell and that's quite uh, I thought that was quite interesting I mean for me like I enjoyed it I watched the whole thing through I was gripped I was surprised yeah okay maybe it was a bit too long but you know me I'm like solid 90 minutes yeah that's enough no, that I know be you agree yeah um <laughs> it should definitely be the law, um, but combining like all of the the storylines and the character performances, and you know the other performances across the way, I give this a four. Blueberry. Oh
1: wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's completely outlandish. It just. I don't think it landed for me the way I. I wanted to. I wanted it to. And I feel like I've seen other films mm. that have done it better. But it was. There were interesting. Yeah. It was worth watching, and there were interesting themes and. Um, some great performances like you say
0: definitely well I think what we're going to do uh, today because our, our commission podcasts are always a little bit different um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the cast because I think that's really important mm-hmm. have a little run through the basic outlining of the plot uh, then I've got some references and trivia for us lovely and then we get to talk about our favourite scenes uh, before we round up with some kind of final thoughts but before we do that I'm going to have just a little advert for you first time in the el royale you have the option to stay in either california or nevada i always wanted to stay in the honeymoon suite even though i'm not currently on my honeymoon it's that time of the podcast where I nag at you about all our other content I know we're very early in and this might be your first foray into Fan Critical but I hope it's not Uh, Fan Critical is our parent podcast and at the moment as things are uh, a little uncertain in the arts and media's world uh we've been doing some different things so you might have caught uh, some of our how the fuck have you not seen that series where we are all bringing out the films from our closet that we've pretended to see for years that none of us actually have so most recently uh was lucy's closet of shame uh, and she revealed to us all that she had not ever seen aliens yeah. uh it is a fantastic podcast uh, really good laugh and uh and what did you think of Alien Lucy? Did you like it? Yeah,
1: five bloobs from me, M.
0: See, there you go. It's hilarious. I listened to it while I was doing the gardening the other week and absolutely cracked up. Um, we've also been doing uh, quite a lot of commission podcasts lately. So uh, Len and Gareth have recently done uh, A Clockwork Orange, which is um, a very interesting topic uh, or, or kind of plot and style to cover. Uh, and uh, we just released... Midsummer, which was a great hit last Mm. year, and I think like Gaz's favourite film of 2019 or something, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: he loves it, and um, I think Len loves it as well. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, Len loves everything. I have seen the film. Because I'm a wimp So I haven't listened to it yet But I'm sure it's great
0: And also The guys are Going to be Joining up With one of our Little brother podcasts Literally Story Mode Who are a video game podcast And they're going to be doing A Last of Us 2 Spoiler cast episode In the coming weeks So that will definitely Be good fun to listen to If that is your jam Not only that We've got some Really exciting stuff Coming up So we've got New worst of Netflix Where John and Gareth Delve through the, The pits of Netflix to find the worst rated films watch them and review them so that you don't have to even more exciting we have actually got some new tv series coverage coming up soon even if we are in a bit of a coronavirus drought Uh, in august lovecraft country is coming out so we will be doing a preview podcast on that in the coming weeks and covering the series when it is released So if you like the stuff that we do, or if you want to commission a podcast like Beth has done here, then you can support us on Patreon. Uh, Lucy,
1: tell us a bit about that. So Patreon, you have different tiers, um, and depending on how much you contribute each month, you get different benefits. So if you are a junior Blueberry, $5 a month, you get to join in on Discord, you can chat to us about whatever you want to chat to us about, but mainly TV TV and film. People usually stick to that. And you get access to cast it, so cast episodes are bonus episodes that we do where we would take a film or tv show usually a film and we recast it it usually turns out quite funny sometimes you improve on the original casting i find agreed, and you can go from that level all the way up to as beth has done today you can commission your own podcast and when coronavirus finally subsides you'll be able to potentially appear on a podcast of your choosing also um so yeah definitely if you're interested in supporting us if you like what we do you head over to patreon.com forward slash fan critical and you can check out how you can contribute and what awards you'll get rewards you'll get not awards
0: you can have awards too if you like for the best we'll patreon yeah patreon gold star <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Keep uh, keep in touch with us on social media as well. We are at Fan Critical Pod on Twitter, Fan underscore critical on Instagram, and uh, just Fan Critical on Facebook. Or you can email us, fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but for now, it's time to get back to bad times at the L Royale. So bad. So I want to talk about the cast, because I think we've got an amazing cast here, really. There's a really interesting mix of actors and characters. So I'm going to list our our main team off, and then we'll pick and choose, have a conversation about some of them. So we've got Jeff Bridges, starring as Father Daniel Flynn, or Doc O'Kelly. Excellent. Cynthia Erivo as Darlene Sweet
1: brilliant and i like that she got to sing
0: oh amazing dakota johnson plays emily's summer spring really which is interesting haven't seen really her for liked while. her hair. oh and those jeans man it
1: makes me want a fringe but i've got a fat face so it doesn't ever look good but you know mm. just hair inspo there from dakota
0: i can't wear a fringe i've got a small forehead i've I got a three head
1: hair would look good on you because it wasn't a f- mm, full no. fringe it was kind of like parting fringe
0: oh maybe We'll see. Uh, Then we've got the lovely John Hamm starring as uh, Laramie Seymour Sullivan or his real name, FBI agent Dwight Broadbeck.
1: Always called Dwight.
0: Oh, it's always a Dwight, isn't (laughs) there? Uh, Kaylee Spaney as uh, Emily's sister Rose. Lewis Pullman as Miles Miller. And then, of course, Chris Hemsworth as Billy Lee.
1: You ugly son of a
0: bitch. Oh. Man, right? Can we talk, let's talk about Cynthia Erivo? Like, yes. she is amazing. Yeah,
1: she's a fantastic actress and singer.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing singer. And I had no idea her voice is stunning. Yeah. and her performance, I thought, was amazing. So, Darlene Sweet is a backing singer, um, as we learn from her background. Um, but she's also doing a few kind of small performances on her own. Uh, she's had probably not some, some not great experiences in the past being a woman of color in the 60s
1: in america yeah
0: in america yeah in the music industry but uh, what i really liked about the way that she played the character was her almost like smooth detachedness yeah do you know what i mean
1: there's a real clarity to her performances she's just Mm. it's like pinpoint accuracy with her performances and yeah i think yeah she always seems in control even when she's not like as in yeah totally not, but she's very composed in control of herself
0: and i think also she portrayed quite a lot of depth here so you've got the kind of the darlene suite when she's outside of her own private space and she's very almost kind of almost meek but not she's mm. just very composed she's watching like she's
1: you can see and you can kind of tell like uh, as you said like a woman of color um in the 60s in america in the industry that she's in she's always going to have to be like watchful on the watch on the lookout for yeah. any, everything, anything and everything that could befall her and that obviously stands her in good stead for what's to come at the El Royale because she's, she's yeah. aware of everything that's around her She's very watchful.
0: And I think the other thing is kind of the contrast of that when she's on her own in private, the emotion and the kind of rawness to her. Yeah. To like when she start when you first see her singing, it's just beautiful. And
1: there's joy. There's such a joy to it. It's not... Yeah. You know, she's singing and she loves it. And yet, like you say, in her private space, that's when she can be herself. And she completely mm. opens up because she's quite closed when she's um, with other people for good reason, because she has to be on on guard
0: yeah yeah totally i mean i think for me she's like the standout performance i think
1: she roots the entire film and she's the emotional like core of it And without her it wouldn't it wouldn't Mm. stand i don't think and she's now an actress that if i know she's in a film i will think oh i want to see that because i just think she was so good in the outsider which we covered um she was the high point of that And she's the high point of this film as well. So she's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, And I think, uh, what a lovely segue that's about to come here. Her relationship with um, Father Daniel Flynn, played by Jeff Bridges, is really, really good. Mm. Um, Because, you know, you talk about that awareness that she has in other people. Obviously, we know later on that Jeff Bridges' character is not a, a priest. Shock horror. He is a He's a criminal, um, which is, you know, 60s America. Why, why not rob some trucks full of money? Don't do it now,
1: you know, but... Well, 50s America, I believe it It actually happened in. I don't know why I'm being such a stickler for the dates, so just ignore me, but
0: yeah. You are really, really on the dates today, you have a Liz. good date. I hadn't realised that Jeff Bridges was in it, so when he popped up, I was like, oh, it's Jeff Bridges. It's
1: funny, because Aaron came in while I was watching it, and he didn't say anything, he was just like, Is that Kurt Russell? I was like, no, it's Jeff Bridges. They look quite similar, but no, No. it's not Kurt Russell.
0: I I mean, somewhat similar. Not quite. But like, there's similar
1: vibes, I think. think. Yeah. I I got what he was saying. But he's great, Jeff Bridges. Yeah,
0: and I think so. his character is really interesting because there's a lot throughout this film about the idea of redemption, Mm. in a way. Yeah, definitely. Well, a combination of redemption, confession, absolution, that kind of thing. So obviously his disguise as a priest is very apt for that and you know it's a a theme that we'll probably pick up on again but I thought that I mean obviously Jeff Bridges is an amazing actor but I thought he played it really well because you really started to I mean I don't know about you but I really started to feel for him and I was rooting for him I wanted him to find that money that his brother had buried under the floorboards and you know I was worried about the fact that spoiler warning for the rest of the plot I hope you've all watched this that he has dementia which is really sad and I think he was quite an interesting linchpin for the, you know, he, again, you know, as you said, it kind of hinges on Cynthia Erivo's character, but actually Father Flynn is the second hinge for the film, you know, without that storyline, you think you don't really get much of the rest.
1: No, but I did think the fact that he kind of, I didn't trust what he was saying to begin with, obviously, you know, he's not a priest. But when he was telling Cynthia Erivo, yeah. I did think, is is he going to turn around again and, and sort of double cross her? Um, and he didn't. And I kind of, I think it might have had a bit more impact if it wasn't a kind of a happy ending for the two of them. But I suppose it, it adds balance to the film. You don't want everyone to be dead.
0: Then it really would be a Tarantino film. <laughs> And also, you know, it's not exactly a happy ending, is it? They went through some pretty shitty stuff. Yeah, it's quite bad, yeah. So uh, then we've got Dakota Johnson and Kaylee Spaney as is the Summer Spring sisters. I've not really seen Dakota Johnson in much.
1: Have you? I think I've only seen her in Twenty One Jump Street, my favorite film, and she's not really in that much. <laughs> um, but she is, she is an interesting actress. I think just watching her in this because she was in Fifty Shades of Grey, which I have not seen. Um, yeah, but you no. something like that could have derailed her career really because it was a bit as mm. far as i'm aware was a bit of a bomb um and or she could have yeah, gone it, gone the way of just doing equally shitty films but she's i know she's done this film i think she did a remake of suspiria like she's doing a bit more interesting work um nothing will ever talk to yeah she's Jump branching Street. out quite a bit that's the best film ever um, obviously but yeah i think i liked her in this she's she was tough and it was believable because I, I don't always believe in these like having to represent women as being kick-ass mm. emotionally unavailable superhumans i because i just think you know don't patronize women like that but this was well it's a trope isn't it yeah it is a trope and i have no interest in it but you could see kind of behind her eyes what was what had led her to this point um and yeah i thought it was a good performance really nice hair and that whole look for her it really works 70s well late yeah. 60s story look Looked very good on her. Yeah, come on, get the dates
0: right, <laughs> please. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's actually one of the things that I really like about this film is the kind of the setting and the styling of that. So then you've got John Hamm as Laramie Seymour Sullivan, uh, who we're there to find out is actually an FBI yeah, agent. because his accent, I was like, this is
1: pretty shocking. I don't think I can watch it a whole terrible. film of yeah. him putting on a <laughs> terrible foghorn,
0: leghorn accent. Um, but yeah, obviously yeah, that was, was, was part sure it was of it, it. that it,
1: it was not his real accent.
0: But I think when he first appears and he's like he's doing this whole like vacuum cleaner salesman thing it was so like camp yeah it's almost. OTT
1: proper OTT yeah
0: and i loved it i thought he was brilliant <laughs> i really liked it and then you see him develop as he sort of lets more of his actual character come through you know the actual the fbi agent and you see his fear i would have liked to have more of that to be honest
1: with you and i think that's one thing when I talk about the pacing, is that you get a little peek into his um, home life. You know, he's he's calling his daughter to uh, say their nightly prayers. He wants to help uh, Rose that he sees kidnapped. Um, Mm. And the fact that you kind of got that little peek into his humanity and his character, because he's he's hardly developed at all before he, spoiler warning, gets shot, or sawn in half almost with a, a shotgun. I just think that yeah, it was rough. I would have liked more, considering he's like one of the bigger names in it. I would have liked more of his character developed, in order for that to have more impact. What happens to him and the fact that he wanted to help? I don't know. I just I thought that was a bit like, oh, he's he's gone.
0: Yeah, it was just a bit of a shame that we didn't get more of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. I think that was a bit of bit of a letdown for me that part.
0: Yeah, and I think it, some of that comes with the pacing as well as that. There's a bit kind of halfway through where things really speed up and a load of shit happens, and I think that's when we lose John Ham. Yeah. that I think yeah. it it, can, it was a bit. It was a bit of a shock to me because I like assumed to a revelation, revelation,
1: revelation, and that's what I thought. Would be yeah, the pacing and the, the revelations of the truth was it wasn't done as well as it could have been it wasn't executed that well
0: what i do think was executed what i do think was executed very well was lewis pullman's performance as miles miller
1: so does he sorry to interrupt you i was watching it and he just reminded me so much of a less sort of appealing looking tom holland i just really
0: thought he looked well that's interesting because i'm pretty sure that tom holland was asked to play one of the roles and it may well have been that and he really
1: said no. wow i think mm. he might have been a bit young because i'm not sure how old miles was supposed to be but when they showed you know you show the flashback at the end that showed that he was i presume mm-hmm. in vietnam um yep. that he yeah he's sort of old enough to go and fight in a war and to be the manager of a hotel so I think Tom Holland probably would have been a bit too baby-faced but he did remind me of him but he, he just his face isn't yeah. as appealing at at all and that he really lent quite a creepy quality <laughs> to Miles where you think what is uh what's his deal and he's like about the terrible things well, he's done.
0: originally I was like is this some kind of like psycho character murder hotel thing and mm. there's a hotel somewhere in America it's probably more of these but it's a bit like the H.H. H. Holmes hotel thing Ooh, you know yeah. where like People were trapped in rooms and murdered in the basement, and all of those kind of things. And I thought, I thought it was going to go that way. So when it didn't, it was quite interesting. But I thought that his characterization was amazing because he was really fucking creepy. But you also, I think, had a lot of sympathy for him by the end. Yeah, it, it so I think was... that that's a really good character arc.
1: Yeah, it was it was an interesting performance because yeah, he did give you the creeps, and there was a kind of an element of disgust that you had for him. Just like he was so such a loser. I know that sounds horrible, but. A loser and creepy and couldn't stand up for himself. So there is a, an element of like, yeah, disgust for him. But then by the end, you do feel some pity for him. And it was interesting that his quote unquote revelation of his backstory and what he considered to have been the evil that he's done. I mean, you could say that was a commentary on America at the time. I mean, yeah. Mm. I don't know. If, I suppose we can talk about it or I don't know if you want to talk about it later. Like his... When he said how many people he killed and what that actually means, made me think. I think
0: let's. I think it's worth talking about that. Well, I think maybe save the full commentary for it for plot because okay. I think it kind of ties very much into once we know about everybody else. Mm. And then finally, I've saved the best for last. Crimson. Don't. i say honestly. So I've saved the best for last. Chris Hemsworth as Billy Lee. Um, and I say the best because he's beautiful, and we love Chris Hemsworth. We do. I don't know how I felt about him in this film, though.
1: No, neither did I. It felt like a diff- he was shoehorned from a different film.
0: Yeah, like a little bit, kind of like crackhead, bonkers, but also like hippie. So I've gone on
1: about the the period, but yeah, so it's the late of sixties going on into the 70s and it's a completely different look it's just a completely different lifestyle that he's living anyway Mm. Um, and i think that could be part of it but i was worried at first that he (laughs) he was meant to represent or actually be charles manson i was like that's the most fucking flattering casting of all time if that's the case but obviously well he's clearly based on manson but i thought it was gonna be like oh this is charles manson and then that would be really bad oh
0: yeah one of the interesting things about it is that there are a few things where you can clearly go, oh, well, that's meant to be so-and-so, but because yes. they don't name any of them, you remain in this fantasy world where, you know, it isn't Charles Manson and JFK. It's... Yeah, I knew it was JFK. Billy Lee and... an unknown. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's JFK, right? So, you know, I, I thought that was quite interesting. And I think... I don't think I've seen him play a role like that before. Um It looked like he had quite a lot of fun with it. Definitely. But he was clearly, you know, playing quite unhinged. I
1: mean, just to sort of riff on... Chris Hemsworth for a bit. Obviously we we love him and you know he looks the way he looks and that's great. Mm. But I'm worried for him that his looks are going to hinder his career, which is a, a bizarre thing to say, but I worry that he's just going to go down the action man route because yeah. I've not really I've seen him as Thor and he's absolutely great as Thor. I think he's probably the standout in these Avenger films because he just imbues this larger than life character with such humor um and goofiness and silliness which you know yeah. you don't always it's see a comedy, in the heroes yeah um but i just don't want him to go down just being an action man because i think he's got so much charisma and yeah there's such humor to him which is a bit unfair considering how he looks like you want to be funny as well give the other humans a chance yeah come on um
0: allow us some of
1: that yeah but the last the the most recent film he's been in i didn't watch it because it's not my kind of film but it was on um netflix like an action I think it's called extraction film um it is yeah and okay, I just actually. don't want him to, to go down that road I really want him to do more films like this like, as much as it's not a perfect film or performance I, I hope he can take risks and he's not just going to be cast as like the buff action man in meaningless yeah. films I just think he's actually worth more than that and it would be a shame if just the way he looks stops him from making better films do you know what I mean well, you don't ones. want him to be
0: pigeonholed, do you? No. Like, you want him to be able to go and do something a bit indie and a bit weird like this. And I hope he does. Um, not necessarily indie, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it, it reminds me a lot of um, Brad Pitt. So, like, you always think of Brad Pitt as the pretty guy, right? Mm. You know, everybody loves Brad Pitt, and especially, like, thinking about the 90s. And the one thing that made me change my opinion about Brad Pitt was seeing him in Burn after reading.
1: I have not seen that. I'm not really a Brad Pitt fan, to be honest. But yes, I understand what you mean. It's a good comparison.
0: He's hilarious. And I never realised he was funny. And I think for me, watching Chris Hemsworth in this reminded me, not because you're not playing a funny character, it's funny at all. Um,
1: But there is humour to the
0: performance. Yeah, it reminded me of that, which is it's something I've never seen him do before. And it's something different. Mm. And I liked it, even if it felt a bit weird.
1: Yeah, I just think it didn't fit in with the tone of the film. And again, I think they put him in too late for you to really have any kind of, oh, this guy's a dick or... Or do you have any kind of feelings yeah. about him? So I, I, I just... That's what the problem with the film is. There's not enough... There's almost too many characters to make you care about any of them. Apart from probably uh, Darlene.
0: Yeah, I think you might be right. Well, I think that's a good point, actually, to, to kind of bring us on to the plot, is, you know, where where we start getting interested in people and, you know, how much we learn about them. Um, so I think that let's, let's talk through it, um, not in... I've got a summary... I'm not going to do too much detail because mm. uh, you know, I want you guys to watch this film. It's a, a long film. But I think, let's talk about the opening. So it's a there's no opening credits really. We open um, in 1959 where a man is hiding a bag of money under floorboards in a hotel room. Another bloke arrives and it's very like film noir mm. setting. Um, kills him with a shotgun and then walks off. And then I think we get the flash of 10 years later and... The title screen, and that's it. That is how we open this film, mm. and I thought I was like, this is not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a good opening, um, and it kind of looped back to that, but it's it's almost like the, uh, you know, in Psycho when um, the main character has like stolen some money or whatever, and you think that that's going <laughs> to be what the film's about, and then it totally is not about that at all. And this it was about the, the money, but it also isn't really about the money. This film. And
0: the yeah the money, money was kind of the undercurrent
1: mm. wasn't it but it's it's not what draws everyone there it's nick offerman isn't it is it yeah because his name was in the cast and like mm. i i recognized just his square silhouette head um so i would have liked to see a bit more of him i thought he might pop up in a flashback but it doesn't really does he i think he's he's there in his mask no in the flashback to the
0: robbery i think that's pretty much it yeah yeah. but i think that opened us up quite nicely to like how they frame the film like it's shot really well and it's consistent which i like so you know every character gets their bit you know whether it's room one room four room five or it's you know the backstory of billy lee or you know all of those things and i I think that really helps but once we've had this this kind of first scene we get our you know 10 years later flash up john would hate this he hates being told how much time has passed on the screen and we're in the lobby of the El Royale Hotel and various different interactions are happening between uh, Daniel Flynn, the priest, Father Flynn, Darlene Sweet, Laramie Seymour Sullivan and Emily Summerspring eventually arrives. What I liked most about this beginning was not kind of necessarily learning about the characters but the really interesting uh, setup of the hotel. So it is is basically slap bang across the line, the state line between California and Nevada. Which is so odd. More films should be set across like state lines
1: like that. I mean, I'm sure there are. Listeners, if uh, you know of yeah. any that we should watch, <laughs> let us know. But yeah, it's yep. definitely an interesting conceit. Um, and I liked how the keys had different, the state shaped key rings. I thought that was a nice touch.
2: Yeah. Well, and
0: it's also like the difference between California, which is like your sun loving hippies, and Nevada, which is your gamblers, mm. and your casinos. And and I think having that all in one place is really interesting. And, and the way that um, we get that introduction from Miles, who um, is not there initially. Uh, he appears to be the only person left working in this hotel. He is the receptionist. He is the barman. He is the chef. He is the housekeeper, um, which is all very odd and does give you kind of very strange... H. H Holmes gonna yeah. get murdered vibe
1: Weird vibe, it's also weird how they all turned up there and they're all they're not linked, None, they're not really linked at all um, but yeah, they suddenly all turn up at the same place that's been abandoned for however long.
0: You mentioned this earlier that um, you've seen the Uh, new adaptation of and then there were none Mm. this felt like that where everybody gets a letter and they turn up at the same place and i thought that the twist along the way was going to be that they'd all been invited there for a reason
1: or there was some link between them but yeah no,
0: yeah that there was something that tied them all together but that is not the case so we won't we won't delve down that road too deeply so then everybody checks into their rooms everyone's just really keen to just get in and get done no one wants to really be next to each other and they all find it very awkward. Emily is a bit of a dick. She signs the register, fuck you. Mm. She's clearly very keen to just get away from everyone. Um, but we start really with Sullivan, um, so John Hamm's character. So he checks into the honeymoon suite, and then he starts removing wiretaps. Yeah. So he's basically disrupted the entire room into like absolute disarray, pulling out these wiretaps and various different things. And then... He seems what he finds basically two different sets of them, which at the time didn't really make sense until we get a bit later on. And then he goes nosing around in the hotel and finds a secret corridor. Mm. This happened quickly. Yes. And this is where it kind of went off track. Yes. In a good way.
1: Well, I think it's. I just found the way it was paced, I thought it was a little bit disjointed. I don't know. Like, it happened quickly, fine. Like, get into, get into the meat of the story. i fan mm. of that. But, yeah, it all just unraveled from there, like, plot-wise, I guess, which is probably what it was supposed to do. But I just felt like, I don't know, we weren't grounded in it enough for it to just suddenly spring off like that. But that's just me, I guess.
0: I think that's probably why this has had quite mixed reactions as well and kind of fallen by the wayside, I think, for a lot of people because I really liked it. I like the fact that all of a sudden it was like a snowball rolling downhill that kept gathering speed and gathering size and he didn't really know what was going to happen next. And I like that. You know, he goes down this back corridor while Miles is passed out from a heroin shot. I don't know how you describe it. (laughs) Um, And he finds this corridor where all of the mirrors are basically one-way mirrors. They're observation mirrors and there's a movie camera and then he sees all of these things. And that, for me, was like, this is brilliant. That kind of voyeuristic It was
1: great. It was supremely creepy. It did give me very like bad vibes, bad feelings. Proper chills. Because you don't know and there's always also the way a lot of the shots were framed, like I'd say a close up on John Hamm or like semi-close up and then you can see what's sort of in the background. You keep thinking you're going to see a man, or I don't know a zombie, or or something. It, it was it was really like like a load of dead bodies, or something. Yeah. Like it's just it, yeah, it was really well done. Like the suspense that it built at times was really really well done. But it it didn't have enough of that almost, or it didn't compound that enough for it to to be really cohesive for me anyway. But yeah, that that scene when mm. he's walking along and yeah, turning the speakers on and just discovering the extent of what was happening there yeah
0: and you don't know what you're gonna see do you
1: it's a bit is no and like
0: when miles had said earlier that some of the rooms weren't cleaned i was like what is in those rooms is it gonna be a you know here's my mother in a chair kind of thing (laughs) um but actually (laughs) yeah exactly well it felt like that It, it really did and actually there are parts of this that go the complete opposite way and it feels like a bit of a romp um you know, and, and we'll talk about some of those bits. But what he actually sees is what he thinks is Emily with a kidnapped woman. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he also sees um, Darlene Sweet singing, and um, Father Flynn sitting in his room looking very confused. Yeah. So he kind of dashes out of there and goes to the goes to the phone booth and uh, makes a call into the FBI. Where we're like, oh, wait a minute, you're an FBI agent. White Broadbeck
1: I mean the bug removing does kind of give you some insight into what yeah.
0: his, his real game is well it did for me anyway and he's basically told to ignore the fact that he thinks he's seen a kidnapping so
1: I not hate the FBI <laughs> sorry if there are any FBI agents listening but I hate in, in this respect maybe
0: they're not allowed to get involved yeah obviously
1: but okay you're just they just don't care then they just don't care about you could say right we'll call the police like you could do anything or we'll, we'll, we'll let the police know Nah, just ignore it. Also, he
0: could have called the police.
1: Well, yeah, or well, the FBI could have done it on his behalf. Just sent a car around.
0: Mind you, that'd be a terrible plot, wouldn't it? Yes. So the police all turned up and nothing happened. Everything was fine in the end. <laughs> Everyone was safe. So, I want. let's talk about this kidnapping thing. So, we see Emily getting a girl in from the boot of the car. Who's uh, She then ties to a chair. She's got her gagged. We don't really know what's going on. What did you think was happening at that point before we knew who that was?
1: I thought we could have a potential ransom situation. She's kidnapped Mm. someone, um, a woman, kidnapping another woman. I just thought maybe that she was trying to get some, extort some money out of someone. Considering this all seemed to be about money. um, Yeah, that, that was kind of
0: what my first notion was. What about you? I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, because one of the things that I noticed when they were in the lobby, um, when John Hamm was doing his bit about making coffee and talking about vacuum cleaners like a knob, um, when Emily arrived, there was a news report about some murders in the yeah, house. Yeah, actually. And I thought maybe she was involved in that.
1: Yeah, now, there was something about like a respected... Doctor or, or someone who'd Worked with homeless children in the area Public figure, died. some kind and of public like, figure That yeah. sounds a bit, working with Homeless children, like is that going to come out To be something, now this Whole wow. bit kind of reminded me of this film I saw, I think I was On like a night bus in South America Clang, I've had an interesting Life, yes listeners um, <laughs> But they, they put on like films And there was one I watched and it had Michael Madsen in it, who's just Like you know If you see him that's short that is shorthand for creepy sinister. Um I can't remember what it was called. I think it's called that the killing jar or something. And there's like a massive storm and people are in a cafe and they you know, it's on the news that this um family have been murdered, brutally murdered, um, in town. Police are looking for the suspect. And Michael madsen arrives in the the cafe and it's got that same sense of tension and, you know, what is what is the truth behind the scenario and I actually think that it was quite violent and there were children on the bus. But anyway, it had that same sense of there's something on the news. Not appropriate. This Someone's just turned up, like, what is the truth? But this, it was a bit of a red herring, really, in this film, wasn't it? Because I don't believe
0: it was linked to anything. Or was it? Have I missed something? It was. It was right at the end, I'll tell you. Don't worry. Oh, is
1: it to do with Thingy?
0: Yeah, so Emily's little sister Rose yeah. uh, is clearly a fucking psychopath. Uh, she killed those people. Why? Yeah, so we get a bit of a flashback to her stabbing violently. I thought that was Um, her killing
1: her dad. Well, actually, I thought Rose, not Rose, Emily might have killed her dad, abusive dad.
0: Oh, I'm pretty sure Emily did kill her dad, but I'm pretty sure Rose killed those people. And that's what you said. There's a bit where right at the end, where Billy Lee and Emily are talking, and one of them says something about you know, we can forget about things that have been done or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're referring to is Rose killing her family, and I have no no idea why.
1: Until you, and he's like. Really, okay, interesting. So, I've obviously missed out, mm. missed that plot point, but I do think it's, I do like it when that kind of thing, that thing happens, like in the background. There is like a news report. It is a bit of a trope, but I think it works quite
0: well. Yeah, I think so, and I think for this, I think it was good because actually, you know, it's something that I was really aware of and you know picked up on. So, once we've seen this, we then move on to um, Father Flynn and Darlene Sweet. So they eventually. Uh, they go and try and eat some dinner but there's some really dodgy looking sandwiches or pie so they go for some pie and they have a drink and uh, Darlene sees the father spiking her drink so all of a sudden she knocks the fucker out. Good. I mean that was amazing. I was not expecting that to happen but it was fantastic and I I thought that was really really interesting. Uh, So Flynn passes out and Miles finds him and then after a bit of conversation, Miles, who really, really, really wants to confess to what he believes is a priest, shows him this secret passageway. I mean, right the way through the movie, we're constantly getting Miles wanting to confess his sins. Yeah. I mean, what, how did that make you feel? Because it made me feel a bit uncomfortable.
1: Yes, I thought he'd done some really bad things because of what you learn about the hotel itself and the nature of the guests and just the nature of the set there, um... Yeah, he, you don't know what you are going to find in some of these back rooms or the sort of corridor. When I think that was quite good because you are expecting him to be potentially the worst of them all, and actually he's not. He is just a probably, P- he's probably the PTSD-ridden veteran, yeah, who's had to do some not very nice things and seen some very not very nice things in his line of work. Once he's come back from the war, it's just like a Bruce Springsteen song. So I thought he was going to be a lot worse than he was and that's one good thing about this film it's not predictable you can't you can't charge it with being predictable no. because it's
0: not no it's absolutely not and i think i think a lot of the things you expect to happen don't happen
1: yeah or things that you don't expect to happen do
0: yeah so miles shows father flynn the secret passageway he basically explains that management in inverted commas whoever they are uh, having film like specific guests sexy times and sending them the footage uh, Miles says he's held one of these back because that particular dead public figure had been really kind to him, aka JFK. So when Flynn goes off to find the film, Miles then sees the confrontation between John Hamm's character, Emily, and Rose. So John Hamm's come to the door and he's been like, hey, ma'am, uh, the. Bellhop's asked me to make sure everyone's alright because there's a storm and stuff and she doesn't want to let him in so he kicks the door down, punches her in the face yep. unties Rose and then Emily stands up and basically blows him in half with a shotgun meanwhile, Miles is behind the mirror and gets a load of like shotgun buck in his face which I thought was the way they, the the way they genius. do it
1: is that you don't know who you see the confrontation with Laramie slash Dwight Um, and emily and rose before they've gone behind is that right because they hear all coughing and yeah it's quite a while oh god what the fuck is behind there and it's after that happens that you see um father flynn and miles go behind there so a lot of it is the way they constructed it was quite effective um in that respect you are thinking shit what's behind there
0: i think it's a good like 20 minutes before we find out that it's miles if not longer yeah um, which I think is really, really clever. You're right. Like it, that gives you suspense and it gives you that kind of guessing game. It could be anyone at this point. Yeah. You know, we or don't anything. know who's hanging around there. Mm. Ugh. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. At the same time as this is happening, and this is not chronological to the plot, but this chronological, well, not chronological to the film, but chronological to the actual plot, if it was in order. Darlene has seen all of this happen.
1: Why was she outside? Because of um, just trying to get away from the priest.
0: Yeah, I think so. She'd been shocked and I think she was like, I'm just going to leave now, this is awful. So she tries to get away in her car, uh, but it won't start because uh, Laramie slash Dwight has um, basically pulled out some wires of everyone's cars, so they can't leave. And then Father Flynn arrives and tells her his story. So he basically explains that he's, he's actually Doc O'Kelly. He's been in prison for 10 years for a robbery, recently paroled he came here to get the money back that his brother hid in those first scenes back in 1959 but he's got dementia he got the wrong room he wanted it he wanted to get into her room without hurting her to dig up the floor and see if he could get the money and i think this whole encounter between them is really interesting because darlene is you know we said this earlier she's very composed outwardly but inwardly you can see her mind going yeah And what's interesting about the conversation Is that Father Flynn is basically saying I know you're thinking this, that and the other But you could do this and you could do that And I thought that watching him say it And her think it was very, very interesting Like she's such an expressive actress
1: Yeah, she definitely is And yeah, you can see her mind working Even when they were chatting in the bar bit You can see she's sort of sizing him up And seeing what her situation is with him And when he's explaining the situation in the car and her options yeah you can yeah you can see it in her face her deciding what to do
0: what would you have done
1: i probably would have been like you can have the fucking keys i want to leave help me get my car started you can have the keys i don't want your money i mean i'm not speaking as a black woman in 1960s america but if it was me me yeah i'd be like, i want to get out of here so you can have the money i don't care yeah
0: i'd probably want half the money <laughs> i want in on
1: this plan on this plot
0: Yeah, I want in on this, like... There's absolutely
1: no guarantee this criminal that tried to drug you is going to give you half the money. Quit while
0: you're ahead, I reckon. No. Get out with your life. That's very true. However, what I've got to say is the way that they dig up the floor is genius. Yeah. So, Darlene agrees that she'll split the money with him, he can come in and dig up the floor, that's fine. So, um, in, and we watch this like largely from the perspective of Emily, because she's now been through the mirror, found miles, blah, 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 and she's watching through the mirror as um, Darlene is singing. Uh, wandering around the room and every time that father flynn has to uh, like hammer into the floorboard to yank it up she claps and she is belting out some absolutely beautiful vocals and i just thought it was a really clever bit of staging
1: do you think she the way she's looking into the mirror is like she knows there is someone there do you think she knows or she's expecting someone to be there and if so who
0: i think she might be suspicious that someone is there but i don't know if she knows who because i th- i'm assuming that flynn told from what i remember told her about the
1: yeah but then who who would tunnel? she be thinking was there but, or maybe she's just looking into fucking it anyone like, at this point yeah if anyone's out there I can see you. Well, I can't see you, but I've got an yeah. idea that you're there.
0: Ugh. I mean, it's creepy, isn't it? The it idea that someone's behind a wall looking at you. Yeah. Like, really creepy. For both people concerned. Yeah. And, and watching from both sides of it as well was really interesting. Really interesting. So after this happened, they've got the money and they are off to go. And then all of a sudden, Billy Lee arrives.
1: Bow, bow, bow. And he basically takes
0: everyone hostage. Mm. so we've had a bit of kind of playing around with emily and rose and miles trying to work out whether to beat him up or not and then it sort of comes out that rose has called billy lee to come and get her because she is she's full-on in the cult yeah so everyone's taken hostage this is i mean this is pretty rough we get a lot of stuff happening here uh but i think the 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 boldest thing is a set is a game of like do you want to die roulette <laughs> red or black do you want to
1: die Red is life, black is death.
0: But also, do, who knew whether if your number came up, you were getting your colour came up, you were getting shot or yeah, not? you don't actually know what you're betting on. <laughs>
2: what, no, what my you're just to? picking
0: a colour. So he says to Emily, pick a colour, red or black. She won't, she has to, she picks. And then the game is between her and Miles. He spins the roulette wheel. Um, it lands on whatever colour it lands on. And he shoots Emily dead.
1: That was what I was like, Brugal. oh, did not expect that to happen. Really didn't expect that to happen. No. I thought Miles was a goner.
0: I, well, I mean, poor Miles. I mean, he does go. But I thought he was a goner um, right Which then. is sad.
1: I also thought that that would spur Rose into being kind of deprogrammed. Again, not predictable, because it did not work like that whatsoever.
0: I think she's a complete and nut yeah, job. She's well in there. <laughs> yeah, she is. There's no going back for Rose, unfortunately. So then Billy Lee wants to play another game of live or die roulette with Darlene and Father Flynn because he's been questioning them. He wants to know about the money. He wants to know who he really is and all of this stuff. And you know, there's this really sad moment in there where yeah. um, when Miles realises that he's not a priest. That's a and sad And I don't know moment. why,
1: but it really got me. But it's also sad when he's like, he asks him his real name and he's like really struggling. And then he says to Darlene, He can't remember. Did I ever tell you my real name? Because he can't remember. That's quite. I thought that was quite poignant as
0: well. Yeah, it was. Sad. Mm. Just really sad. And then shit, you know, all hell lets loose. So O'Kelly basically... O'Kelly, I'm not going to call him that. Flynn, uh, Father Flynn, basically stands up and headbutts Billy in the head, like and pushes him back there's a big fight that happens and Darlene at this point is like Miles you have to help us there's a gun in between them she's got her hands tied at her back she can't do anything and this is where we get Miles's backstory where we realise that you know she says to him how many people have you killed and he says 123 and you think Shit. murder hotel yeah
1: they're all buried in the basement
0: yeah like that's what the tunnels are for but it's so tragic because that's not the case he was a sniper in vietnam and he's so young and it's so i mean you know so common obviously that you know when we get this flashback and then he basically saves everyone by shooting everyone in the head which is amazing like i was really almost proud of him it was a little bit jarring though i found
1: like he went into full action hero mode and like kicked i swear he like kicked the gun into his hand and then he was like cocked it and just yeah shooting everyone i was like this is a bit cheesy like it belonged in a different film I mean, in my own yeah. mind. It was something. I just I think by that point I was
0: so into the last bit.
1: Yeah, but it was a bit like, oh, okay, this is a
0: bit silly, in my opinion. So then Rose jumps on to Billy Lee and she's absolutely distraught. Miles tries to comfort her and she guts him. She actually guts him. I
1: mean, Miles, you were in the army. Have you had no training? What the fuck are you doing? This is a hostile. Why are you going to comfort her? He's having a hard time. I know she's a little girl, but. We've established that she's mad. Her blokes just shot her sister, and she don't even care. Have some sense. Yeah, good man. point. You're a sol- You're a former soldier. Very, very good point. You were a sniper.
0: You killed 123 people, and you're getting undone
1: by a little girl. Hate to see it. Shame. Mm.
0: But it's, don't worry. The priest shoots her in the head. A few. Thank God. Thank God for Father Flynn. <laughs> and then, basically father Flynn takes on the moment of like last confession and absolves him of his sins yes, as he's dying nice which I thought was really good
1: yes that was good it was like oh he really wanted that
0: yeah he needed it help him you know was what Darlene was saying uh so then Darlene and and father Flynn because I'm not going to call him Doc uh wander out with all the money together after throwing the film into the fire uh, and later we see Darlene performing at I think the Humdinger, Humdinger Lounge. In Reno. In Reno. And, uh, and Father Flynn's there watching it, and that's how the film ends.
1: Happy ending for all involved, apart from everyone that died. <laughs> At least JFK's memory was enshrined. And we didn't find out who was fucking... Well, I
0: mean, the more you find out about him, the more it gets sullied. But yeah, not by a film. No, there's no need for that to happen. Yeah. I I have mixed feelings about the ending, because I think of all of them maybe i think darlene was probably the most deserving to get out of this in one piece but i don't know how i feel about father flynn yeah because but it was such a massacre leave, he
1: left miles to begin with when he got shot like with the uh, buck in his face he mm. just fucking left him so yeah i think that's what another thing was a bit um, uneven like he's a bit of a prick and i'm, fi- I'm fine with that like you can have a main character that's not that sympathetic, but then they kinda try to make him a bit more sympathetic at the end. And the fact that he like went to see her perform getting a little bit cheesy from a different film. That's what I mean of the tone of the he's tone was that. a bit uneven for me. She has a beautiful voice though, so I don't blame him for wanting to go to see her sing.
0: And she sang every single one of those live on camera. Really? And actually so that scene where they're digging yeah, that scene where he's pulling up the floorboards, she sang that series of songs wow. something like twenty seven times what a treat. through all of the different scenes and shots, which is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So none of them were pre recorded. It was all her singing on screen. Which was fantastic. Mm. Lucy. Yes. What's your favourite scene from this film?
1: Okay. My favourite scene, other than any of the scenes where Hemsworth got his shirt off, is probably actually when um laramie goes behind the uh, the corridor i thought it was so unnerving and i thought the way it was shot Mm -hmm. was really you didn't know what was going to come you know what you were going to see didn't know what was going to happen and i thought it was really masterful the way it was done and i think i would have preferred to have a bit more of that character trying to investigate things than it just going south so quickly if you know what i mean um yeah i think that was a,
0: a really excellent scene very good choice, Lucy. And we did we lost our intrepid investigator, didn't we? Early doors. Damn it. My favorite scene is not quite so uh, cultured as yours. So it is 100% got to be when Chris Hemsworth is <laughs> wiggling his way across the room to deep purple's hush. I tried like, to
1: take this question that seriously, me up.
0: but you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is snake hip. But it was like, but for so many reasons. One, because it was like half shirtless Chris Hemsworth snake kipping his way across the room. Two, the music. I love Deep Purple. It's a brilliant song. Yeah, it is a good it's good song. Good use of music. It, and actually, like, you've got. Yeah, you've got that whole jukebox thing the whole way through um, with Darlene and Father Flynn and everything, Um, but also for me, it just highlighted the absolute insanity of the character, and I just thought it was really clever.
1: It it was a good moment. It was it was funny. Like he wasn't fully committed to it. I didn't think so. It was like borderline awkward. Um, You could it was a bit awkward, wasn't it? It wasn't quite like he hadn't quite given himself to the moment. Um, But it was a good moment. It was a good
0: a good uh, section. it just it made me giggle. Yes, <laughs> it did make me <laughs> giggle. Well, that kind of that kind of brings us pretty much to the end, I think. Mm. I think that there's one more question I want to ask you Lucy and, you know, a lot of people who've reviewed this uh, and written about this film have talked about the idea that the El Royale is purgatory or limbo.
1: Interesting. What have you haven't think? seen that? Um, I think religion does loom large over the film um particularly you you see with the flashbacks with billy lee talking about you know getting Mm. the the girls to do the tussle for good and and bad and it's like you you're so busy playing the game that it's taken your mind off everything else and yeah you know miles wanting absolution for his sins i think yeah i mean on the surface yes that it would make sense but i also don't think it's actually as deep as all of that because why is why is um darlene there was she done that's bad. Nothing. She should be in heaven with nothing, that voice. Seems like nothing. an angel.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't occur to me until I'd read it, but I thought it was important to bring up because a lot of people have raised it as a you know a potential. And I think the idea of people turning up at a motel in the arse end of nowhere or across two state lines is you know it's a it's bit like lost and hellish, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I felt that was too complex for something that was actually quite a fun and interesting film in its own way. Yeah, I don't think it needs that. Which is not going to sound fun. <laughs> yeah, no. I think it overcomplicates it when it doesn't need to be. Mm. Before we go, I've got a couple of bits of trivia for you. Oh, so there were two people who were originally cast for the, or considered for the roles of Billy Lee and uh, Darlene Sweet that weren't eventually cast, which I think is really interesting. So Beyonce was considered for Darlene, really? Yeah, which is I I wouldn't have liked that. She's not a great actress, like not. Bad, but she's nowhere near as good as Cynthia Erivo. No, and she was great in Austin Powers, but not for this. Yeah. The other one, which I think is very interesting, and I can and knowing this afterwards in hindsight, I can see what was trying to be emulated here, um, is that Matthew McConaughey was originally considered for Billy Lee.
1: Hmm.
0: All right, all right, all right. I can see that. Definitely, maybe he's a
1: touch old. Yeah, I think that's probably it, isn't but, it? Yeah, I mean, he's got shirtless cult leader written all over him, hasn't he? A lot of the time. 100% I'd join this cult I'd join Chris
0: Hemsworth's cult Yeah, I'd, uh, Can I join both? Sign me up now um, And speaking of cults So this is I mean it's a bit grim um, But I thought it was interesting So uh, When They Originally Officially introduced Billy Lee into the story The song that's playing Is 12.30 Young girls Are coming to the canyon By the mamas and the papas And allegedly uh, When they found the bodies Of Sharon Tate And her friends The song was her pl- That song was her Playing in another room Creepy Fucking creepy you mm.
1: Cults are actually bad. I'm not going to join a cult, don't worry.
0: No, I'm not going to join a cult. I don't want to join a Manson cult. I just want to go and live freely with Matthew McConaughey and Chris Hemsworth. I would and sign them. up for that. I don't want to have to do any wrestling. Lordiness. No, no wrestling. We won't make you. I mean, that's it for bad times at the El Royale. Stupid name. I think it's been quite a good time. Yeah, it is a stupid name. We, um, But the acronym doesn't work. <laughs> Butata. <laughs> I, but i think we've had a good time talking about it yeah the it's
1: worth watching for sure i would say
0: if you've got yeah, the time
1: definitely but yeah i think it was a missed opportunity in many ways but it's interesting an interesting film with a great cast and soundtrack
0: yep absolutely um definitely worth giving a watch uh, i believe it's on sky cinema and wherever else you might get your movies Mm. uh i think it's enjoyable let us know what you think Uh, you can get in touch by email on fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com or any of our social media channels as usual and uh, we'll be back in the coming weeks with some new content uh, across all of the different areas of our channel but um, thank you lucy for taking some time out of your mothering duties to come and talk movies with me absolutely fine love to do it thank you for hosting I was about to thank myself then really awkwardly. Thank you, me. Uh, thank you for thanking me, Lucy. <laughs> and thank you guys all for listening. It's been a great laugh. And we'll look forward to speaking to you all soon. Bye.
2: Bye. I need love, love to ease my mind. I need to find, find someone to calm mine. My mama said. You can't hurry, love No, you just have to wait She said, love don't come easy It's a game of give and take You can't hurry, love No, you just have to wait She said, trust, give it time No matter how long it takes Now how many heartaches must I stay? before i find a love to let me live again right now the only thing that keeps me hanging on when i feel my strength yeah it's almost gone i remember mama said Will cause my heart, heart to break Now I can't bear to live my life She said, love, don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can't hurry, love. No, you just have to wait. You got to trust. Give it time, no matter how long it takes. I sit away Now, love, love, don't come easy. But I keep on waiting. Anticipating for that soft voice to talk to me at night. For some tender arms to hold me tight. I keep waiting, keep on waiting. But it ain't easy, it ain't easy. But mama said, you can't hurry, love. No, you just have to wait. She said, love, don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can't hurry, love. No, you just have to wait. You got to trust. Give it time, no matter how long.